You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Ian, look at this. What, it's a police box. What on earth is he doing here? Hey, these things are usually on the street. I feel it. I feel it, you feel it? It's a faint vibration. It's alive. Earth Station Who? A fun mashup celebrating nearly 50 years of Doctor Who universe. Hold tight. You never know where the TARDIS is going next. Who are you? <laughs> I'm glad you asked that again. Bit of adrenaline, dash of outrage, and a hint of panic knitted my brain back together. I know exactly who I am. I'm the Doctor. Sorting out fair play throughout the universe. Now, please, get off this planet. Well, you still have a choice. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Earth Station Who podcast. The countdown is on, folks. Three more episodes now. Three, including this one. And that's what we'll have for 2020 of Doctor Who. That's right, folks. We are talking all about the haunting of Villa Diodati. And it was an interesting episode, to say the least. And some people really loved it. Some people were, once again... Like normal, we're like, ow, I didn't like it. And that's the voices they said it in, too. It's really <laughs> awesome. And we're going to talk all about it. And it's going to be uh, great to talk to about it. We've got some great people up here. But remember, as always, we like to say, we are going to spoil the heck out of this one. So if you haven't seen it yet, please, please, please put us on pause, uh, you know, or, you know, listen to us be spoiled, whatever you guys want. But we are going to spoil this one. We have a lot to talk all about it. So you've been warned. Let's welcome this week's crew in. Sitting in as our special guest this week, let's welcome back to the show, Dr. Scott Vigay. Hello, everyone. Or should I say the very tired Dr. Scott Vigay? Yes, uh, fresh from an Acrocon, where we were the science track. We were the science track uh, for the, the run of the convention. So it's a, it's a pleasure to be here to talk Dr. Who. That is awesome. I'm sure, you know, this ties into some of the science probably you talked about even a little bit. Well, we actually did have a Frankenscience panel, yes. Mm -hmm. I saw that on your schedule, so that's why I thought Dr. Scott would be perfect for this episode. <laughs> so it's awesome. I'm glad to have you back, sir. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. And we have our regulars, my co-hosts, my compatriots, of course, the lovely Mary Ogles here. Hi, everybody. It is great to be here. Oh, great to have you, Mary. And of course, Mr. Mike Gordon. Howdy. Are you ready, sir? I am ready. Okay. For what? He hasn't said, but he is ready. So that's good to be able to talk about this. And once again, I kept on thinking, oh, my God, what did Mike Gordon think of this one? <laughs> <laughs> so, wow. It's becoming a regular theme when I watch Doctor Who now. We're very Just, worried about Mike. <laughs> I know. Is this the one that pushes him over the edge or not? So, we shall see. We shall see. But it's going to be very interesting to talk about, and we definitely would love to hear from you guys at home. Please write us at our station, who at esonetwork.com. Definitely would like to hear what you have to say, what your thoughts are on this. I we got a lot to talk about this one and definitely would love to hear, you know, some thoughts on this. We've been starting to actually, and it was my bad for not doing it this week. We'll do it for the last two episodes. What we've been doing on earth station one, a couple hours before we start recording, I post, you know, put a little thing up on our Facebook group. Hey, what did you think of this week's episode? We definitely would love to hear from you. I'm going to do this for the last two parters, you know, the last two parter of the series and see what people think. I think we got a lot of great people in our group and we'd love hearing from you guys. So this is your way for you guys to get involved. So definitely look for it next week, probably on Tuesday of next week. So definitely do that. And of course we want to give a big shout out to our patrons. Hello patrons at home who are listening. Yes, that's right. If you are listening through Patreon, you got this 48 hours before the rest of the world. So it's a little bit of a bonus and a thank you for, you know, helping support the ESO network. All you have to do to get something like this is go to patreon.com slash ESO network and you'll get Earth Station One, Earth Station Who, and the brand new Dragon Con report. 
which has number two coming in the next week or so. So you're going to be looking for that and you'll get that before everybody else does as a member of the Patreon group. And you also will get exclusive podcasts. There's a new podcast coming your way very, very soon. And I know Mike has been doing stuff with Ashley Pauls, her looking at Westerns yep. exclusive. And we have other cool things happening in 2020 and Patreons. As long as you're a member, you get really cool stuff coming your way. So thank you for everyone who's been supporting us. And, you know, we tip our hat towards you and everything. And if I was wearing a hat, I'd do that, but I tip my headphones instead. So very cool. With that being said, let's hop in with Doctor Who news. The biggest piece of Doctor Who news that we got this week. And it's kind of sad, especially for us podcasters out there. (laughs) Um, They've announced that um, because of schedules, because of rotations, because of writing stories and such, uh, they are not going to be starting principal filming for Doctor Who season 13 until September of 2020. I know they've already filmed. I know they've already filmed the New Year's special. It's going to be a Dalek story. No big surprise. They've had pictures of it. So I'm not spoiling anything of it. But Uh, Season 13 itself, which we were hoping we'd maybe get again right from the New Year's on. Nah, we're not getting that. No, we probably won't get, if we're lucky, we'll get um, late spring, early summer for the new season of Doctor Who. So, I have a theory. What? Do tell, sir. Okay. Um, The fact that they're putting it on the scheduling and time to write the uh, stories... I mean, you could come up with a thousand uh, administrative details that could stall things out, but that's a bunch of BS. I, I think that if they really wanted to, they could, because they did at one point. There used to be season after season, uh, back to back to back. And what it is probably is just marshalling of resources. I don't know if the BBC wants to pay for Doctor Who as much as they used to, or if they're amortizing it over time, but I mean... Something uh, something more to the heart of that is probably what's going on. Either that or there might be some truth to how long it takes to write the episodes. Uh, every season, kill all the slate of writers and get a, a whole new slate of new ones, I guess. Uh, you know, something along those lines. But uh, well, there's I no know, reason why I'm... they couldn't take their flagship show and give us something new every year on a, re- on a believable, you know, predictable basis. I know, but they don't. BBC doesn't do that regularly with any of their series lately. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. It's more of a systemic problem. It's not Doctor Who. Yeah, it's not just Doctor Who, and so you can't just blame Chibnall on it. No, it's not him. It's it's not him. It's It's, just that that I think the the BBC isn't supporting Doctor Who like it used to, and they've decided that they're going to you know they marshal it out because it's probably really expensive, and it's probably and it's more complicated than anything else. And it's the only thing that people will come and take a look at. You know, at one time they would delay Doctor Who because they didn't want conflict with the Olympics. You know, I mean, there's a thousand other reasons why they'll delay Doctor Who. And and this is an Olympic year. Yeah, exactly. I've heard part that the Olympics is part of the reason because a lot of the people that work on Doctor Who, the technical staff, is going to be working on the Olympics. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard as a whole, the BBC has gotten uh, a little bit more limited in their resources. So uh, uh, I don't think it's, uh, you know, I don't think the end is nigh for BBC, but I do think that they are, um, you know, uh, relating to some issues, adjusting to this, you know, uh, new climate of uh, programming that uh, where people are getting their entertainment. So, um, and, and I you know, I will say for the past couple of years now, I haven't felt like the BBC has has shown that they think that Doctor Who is one of their flagship shows. I agree. Yeah, I don't. Well, they don't treat it like one. I don't. I don't think so. I mean, uh, I could be wrong, and and I think they. You know, I, I don't know what the numbers are as far as how much money it 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 gives them. Uh, provides for them, but uh, I, I just don't get the feeling that they're, you know, that there is, uh, yeah, that they're that they're really invested in the Doctor Who as they have been uh, maybe in the past uh, decade. I mean, I've, I've joked before, but if the BBC is looking for a, a fictional Doctor that travels through space and time and bends the laws of physics, but only does an episode once every four years, 
um, they can talk to me. You know? <laughs> and Scott himself is a special effect as it is. Yeah, I am. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm practically CGI. Exactly. So, as it is, it just it seems like there is a business model problem. But for all of us out here in the non-BBC world, it's like, well, this is simple. You know, you take a product as good as Doctor Who. If money's the problem, we you know, there's ways to raise that money. It's just it's it's not the 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 BBC way, and so therefore they're you know it's going to go down with the ship. Well, exactly, and that's what we're finding out is you know, and also remember, folks, BBC also has a lot more competition than it did ten years ago. You well, know, they didn't for, care about competition until recently, right? Exactly. Yeah. But now they do, and yeah. they're finding, you know, what are they putting up against? You know, there's all these other networks now on cable or, or satellite. Services. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And they have to take that into effect. And also, and this gets back into the whole thing that we've talked about a zillion times about ratings, how you can't go by the ratings of how many people just watch it live because people no. don't yeah. watch TV live anymore. Right. And, you know, you can't do that. You know, I don't remember the last time I watched anything live. Actually, I do. I watched The Crisis on Infinite Earth live because yeah. I didn't want to be spoiled. But, you know, it's just like Doctor Who is on DVR, you know, a lot of the DC shows or, you know, or we're watching, we just got done watching Witcher and we uh, literally, you know, we're watching it, you know, we were streaming it and we didn't watch it when it first started. We, you know, we jammed it all into probably three days. So we watched the whole series. You raised a very good question. I mean, you know, 40 years ago, it was how many people could watch it live. And there was technology to be able to verify that and be able to approximate, okay, well, there's X number of households in the United States or, the, or in the UK and X number of, of TVs. And we can tell roughly what was being watched at the time and we're done. But in this uh, channel of, um deviation where you can watch things on demand on your own schedule how can they possibly know what the audience for doctor who is and just because it doesn't match the live numbers that it used to doesn't mean that audience is gone it just means that they may be watching it tomorrow morning right yeah exactly you can't you just can't you have to adapt i mean it is an entirely new marketing system out but i think because of all that flexibility i don't think it's going to be a way for marketers to be able to know I mean, they're going to they're going to come up with some sort of statistic to try to guess, but it, that's right. going to make it even. The more you add that statistical error, the more there's going to be error to that response. Mm-hmm. And that's our, you know, the excuse I use for my podcasts all the time. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I mean. Advertisers always want hard numbers, but it's it, you you can't really give them that anymore because of no. there's so much time shifting, and so but. I still think the BBC perhaps doesn't treat Doctor Who with quite the the respect it should for for something that's so loved. Yeah, so loved. I think it's also, you know, as much of a staple as it is for the BBC. I mean, this is a show that has no signs of ending. Um so um but it's not EastEnders, right? It's not uh it's 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 significantly more expensive than EastEnders. Significantly more expensive. Well, I don't know if it's more expensive, but you know, shows like um, you know, uh, the their dancing show, whatever that one's called. But um, oh, strictly come dancing. Yeah, yeah. Like shows like that, they can put on pretty easily, and they can last a long time. But um, I do wonder. You know, I mean, I I don't I, I I'm aware of a lot of stuff that's over there, but I I can't think of another BBC show that's lasted as long as New Who has. No. Um, and you know, um, even though they go through sort of a renewal with a show a different showrunner every so often and all that, it's still the same show. So you've got a lot of, um, you know, a lot of um, um, expenses to keep this show on that's just inherent to having a show that's been around for a decade. Um, And I, you know, will it take a break at some point? Do they see that it, you know, what, what would it take? 
I've often wondered, like, what is it going to take for us to not have Doctor Who on BBC? I mean, it seems unfathomable to us. But at some point, I think the BBC, and they probably do this every year, they have to make a decision as to whether or not they're going to continue with it. Well, that's a, that's a great question. I think the answer to that, we need to know why the why the delay, right? So when uh, when Tennant needed to be able to go and do other things, they said, oh, we're going to have a gap year because we're going to want Tennant to be able to go do what he wants to do. And then they gave Matt a gap year. And then, and then Capaldi had his gap year to where basically it was holiday special to holiday special. That was all that he did that year. You know, so this isn't a Chibnall thing. It's, it's. Oh, no. But you remember when we were, we were aghast at that time. Oh my God, we have to wait a year for Dr. Who. <laughs> yeah. But that, God, yeah, but that we was, were fools. little did we know. Wasn't that, that was a talent related though, right? I mean, if you right, want well, to Well, that's what they David, said it was. Yeah. Right. And so they said that it was all talent related, but it seemed to be talent related for all three of them. I think they came to them and went knock on the door and went, hey, guys, you know, <clears throat> if you wanted to go, you know, ride the, the coattails of what you're all in popularity and do one or two other things that so we, you know, we wouldn't be hurt. You know, if you, if you need to take about a year, that would be great. You know, I mean, you could see if, if there really is a budget or some other problem that they don't really want to articulate, that's where it would be because it's so consistent, right? Every doctor has had this with the exception of Eccleston, because he didn't have a chance, because he only had one season. Right. Well, I mean, that's a way to save money. Move it into the next fiscal year. Yeah. You know? yeah. Well, exactly. And, you know, sci-fi costs a lot of money. It's gotten cheaper, but because it's just easier to create the effects and everything, but still production values and such. And, you know, I'd put the production values of this season up against any season of Doctor Who. And I think that's the truth, because if you, if you kept them at, at 2005 levels today, people will look at that and go, what's this, Star Trek? You know? Yeah. <laughs> no, you're right. You're completely right. And, you know, bravo for them increasing budgets. And, you know, then you, they also get, you know, big name celebrities now to star on the show, yeah. to, you know, guest on it or, you know, have recurring roles. It's, you know, it's pretty awesome for that. And you before it was a running joke. Oh, I've got to be a monster on Doctor Who. Now people, now it's, I get to be, be a monster on Doctor Who. <laughs> exactly, and you know, so you know, it's bad for us because we're going to have to basically, you know, come up with some great ideas now until sometime in twenty twenty one. So God, that that's, sounds that's, so far away. That's you know, back into the void. It's not actually a problem for us. Oh, I know. There's so much classic Who we still haven't done. So I, 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 and actually, you know, I mean, that's part of the show that I, I enjoy the most. So I don't mind it. You know, I mean, yes, I would like to have new who, but to be honest with you, like new who the last year and a half hasn't really been turning my crank the last, you know, as much as it has in the past. So going back and watching classic who is actually kind of a relief. Yeah, I need yep, the relief too. too because I get worried each week, you know, watching Doctor Who now about Mike Gordon. So, oh, you know, <laughs> well, so now, now if we go back to classics, at least I'll be at like, we can oh, breathe again. We can breathe again, <laughs> yeah. not hold our breath each week. Wow. But you know, but I'm right there with Mike Gordon. I, I, you know, I, I agree. You know, there, there's, it's, it's been, I, it has not been consistent, and you know, and it's been, there have been some times where it's like, ah, okay. I do love this show, right? Yes, I love the show, which, which focus on the things I like a lot, you know, and then then there'll be an episode I love, and then there'll be an episode that's not so great, and, you know, and then and stuff like that. It just seems to be like that, that oscillating a lot lately. As I've, as I've mentioned several times this season, I will reiterate, I am not at even close to the point where I'm going to consider dropping this. But I will also say that it's not um, as exciting to me um, as it has been in the past either. So it's just kind of, it's good, but it's not great. And with that, we'll probably go into this week's episode. <laughs> <laughs> Segway. Getting <laughs> this really weird vibe of your house. Vibe. Unrelentingly evil. I think I'm seeing dead people. Ghosts don't exist. Of course not. The writing. It shows. One death and history will change in a blink. 
Segue, segue, segue. That's perfect, Mike. Let's now get in, jump into this week's episode of Doctor Who. And we'd like to, you know, go out, call it The Hunting of Villa Diodati. And it is a, another historical episode. And this time we got to meet Mary Shelley, which is pretty darn awesome. But we also got to meet Lord Byron, which is pretty cool. And it was and Percy was, Shelley. Like I, oh, I think Percy. it's funny how like Mary. I mean, I get it. You know, Mary gets all the headlines, but it seems funny to me that it's just like the focus always seems to be on Mary Shelley. It's like no, no, there are like there are four amazing authors here, um, mm-hmm. three of which are like household names. Um, I and granted, Mary Shelley's story is probably the uh, most unique, and and in some ways for our. Uh, to our story, uh, you know, for our uh, efforts, it's it's really incredible. I mean, she's she's doubted as the mother of science fiction, a whole genre, right? So mm-hmm. so that's for that purpose. But uh, you know, um, uh, Percy Shelley and and Lord Byron are are they, like, are, they, were, they, rock slouches. they yeah. were rock stars back then. I mean, they were legit, like huge. Well, and that's what was awesome about it was, you know, they were there as guests of Lord Byron and, you know, they were there to hear him read and it was just awesome. And, you know, finding out that all the different history behind him, he was, I knew about Mary Shelley and I knew about her husband. I didn't know a ton about Lord Byron. I've read some of his stuff, but that was it. I didn't know any history and such. Yeah, yeah. We'll put that in quotes too. They were there to quote unquote read, uh, 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 you know, hear him read. Yeah, because that's uh, they were they 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 gathered together. Uh, they were they were kind of uh, I don't know I don't know what went on a lot of times in yeah I, I was like, in those in those were, villas. Are you implying they were especially close? Uh, you know, um, they this is called the Romance Period. You know, like. <laughs> And, and these are like the leaders of that movement in some respects. So, uh, yeah. what happens on a stormy night? <laughs> what, 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 what happens, happens in Vela Diodati stays in Vela Diodati. I know, and it's like the 1960s was not the only free love period of history. <laughs> yeah, the, the the initials are VD. Okay, I don't have to say any more than that, right? Oh um, man. <laughs> Look, I, wow. and, but I, no, but obviously, uh, and this was uh, an important episode for me because, you know, the fact that the doctor was meeting Mary Shelley in particular, again, like the, the mother of science fiction is, is an amazing story that I can't believe hasn't been told by now. I know there's a big finish thing, but those don't count. Um, oh. <laughs> now I'm going to get emails. Uh, <laughs> but, that goes to Michael Gordon. At... <laughs> Michael, but, I really am a fan of the show. <laughs> uh, I, uh, but this was an important one. This one, this one, like Tesla, were like these were historical figures that I was like, oh my god, I can't believe that we've never had a Doctor Who with these characters, uh, these actual historical figures before. This is amazing. Um, And this one to me had, I was expecting great things from this one because of the subject. Uh, It should have been great. And uh, I will tell you that uh, I was disappointed. Oh, okay. (laughs) Okay. Wow. Wow. Okay. Well, let's dive into it then. Because... This one was a a ghost story, a mystery kind of, and it was interesting because we've been hearing all season about the lone Cyberman, and I was not expecting to get that so early. I I was expecting it next week, and for us to get it this or get it this episode, it almost makes it now it's a three part finale instead mm-hmm. of a two parter. Two and a half. And, yeah, and it was it was awesome. You know, when I first saw like the figure out on the lake, I said that kind of looks like a Cyberman, and it was just like, and Judy was like, "Where?" And of course, I had to rewind it twice to show her, you know, to make sure that was you know what we were seeing, and it was it was interesting, and I loved the characters in this. I thought it moved very smoothly, and I liked the horror and gothic feel to this. It had a true horror 
feel to it. Yeah, it was very Philip Hinchcliffe era. Mm-hmm. Very much so. And for me, it was just, I like the characters. I like how they built towards something. I like, you know, the interaction. I even like the companions in this one. Maybe Ryan, not so much, but that's been a theme all season. But Gra- but Graham and Yaz were awesome. Poor Bray Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. And, but, you know, that's just me. And, you know, I liked, you know, I liked the different characters. I liked, you know, I loved how, you know, when, he, when Ryan got challenged to the duel and he says, oh, he's not going to do anything. He's going to go get a gun. Graham, he's going to go get a gun. <laughs> I actually, I mean, I I really enjoyed this episode. Mm-hmm. I did too. I mean, I, I wasn't surprised to see the Cybermen only because I thought, well, that's just the perfect Frankenstein. Yeah, yeah. That's, mean, if you're not, if you're going to do a story with Mary Shelley, you, you, you almost have, have to have, have it. The Cybermen. Cybermen are like tailor made for that, right? Well, especially the way they did it because he was only kind of half converted or three quarters converted. Yes, exactly. The the the, the costume design was great for that. Yeah, I thought that made it especially creepy. Yeah, I did like that. Mm-hmm. It was kind it of also helped, It helped um, the other characters realize more what was going on, uh, right? And it's that, that patchwork uh, right. man kind of thing going on. Whereas if it was all sealed up in the nice silver suit, uh, I don't know if they would give that same image. Yeah, I don't, I don't like it when the Cybermen look more like robots than cyborgs. Yeah. Because that, yeah. that's the whole the whole body horror thing is that they're they used to be human but they were converted for me the 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 parts that i liked the most dealt with the the lone cyberman element of the story uh there you know but there's so many other things going on in this story that some of it got lost but as far as the lone cyberman stuff what i liked about it was for the first time you know since the regeneration the doctor threw out the uh, flat organizational structure. Um, she actually took on the authority of being the doctor and being the decision maker. And the weight of all those decisions finally came back to the character for me for that you know one moment where she basically said, you know, this is not, I'm not taking a poll. I've got to make this decision. Well, Jack said the X. Well, Jack's not here. I have to make the decision and then live with the consequences of that. And I'm like, oh, where, where has this been for two years so i don't know exactly that's so true so i i so that was fantastic and so that tied in to the the lone cyberman stuff and i loved the the costume design for the cyberman because it felt very frankenstein but as far as how it fit in with a and i use the term loosely historical uh a lot of that didn't make a whole lot of sense uh you know and if you're going to have mary shelley there should have been more with Mary Shelley and the doctor in how Mary Shelley was clever and how this would influence the Frankenstein story, but they kind of didn't do that. Uh, You know, there's, there's been, this story has been done by other shows uh, to greater or lesser degree. There was a Highlander uh, story that covered this, Uh, you know, big finish has done their version of it. So I was expecting more, you know, they, they, they gave Tesla and the doctor more to do together. And that was more of a Tesla's fame in, in his episode than they did for Mary Shelley here. And I don't know exactly why, because they had to spend time with, you know, dealing with the, you know, dealing with the uh, Cybermen and tricking uh, Percy from, you know, pretending, getting him to, pre- to think he's dead and transferring the thing and da 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 da. And, you know, and then, oh, by the way, there's real ghosts. Where did that come from? Or, you know, what that's going to hang around in the background. So a lot of the creepy stuff was great, but it just it was like, there's 19,000 things going on in this story, and we're gonna have a we're gonna we're going to actually focus on this little tiny portion of it all, all the way through. Uh, I Scott, can see that. I I, uh, I I'm gonna piggyback on that because that's that's pretty much where I'm at too. Um, this is like this is two stories mashed together, and not yeah. in a very subtle way. Um, it's it's you've got this. You know, it starts out and it's, it's like this gothic tale and Mary's right. It's right out of like, there's, it's directed really well. It's really creepy. And then about halfway through, it just chucks all that in the trash and decides to be a Cyberman story. Um, I, 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 and it's, a, it's kind of an abrupt thing. And at the end, they just wave it off by going, maybe there are really ghosts. I'm like, all that stuff made no sense. 
now. <laughs> I mean, like, like all the stuff you did with the skeleton parts coming to life and seeing the the girl and the the other woman and. You know, I mean, oh, that was creepy, but it went nowhere. It was creepy, right? Like, who didn't think that when Graham was eating that food, it was going to come back to haunt him, right? Like, literally, like that right. food was right. not going to be good for him, right? But yet, none of like because all of a sudden, we, the Cybermen are here. We've got to tell this story because it's part of this two-parter that's coming. Like, either make this the first part of a three-parter, or don't. Like, like it, like it would have been cool if the Cyberman story was like there from the beginning, and then you could have had your moments, uh, like Scott said, with Mary teaming up with the Doctor, and it could have been amazing. Um, but I, I think the direction, but the, but, but yeah. that's wrong, dude. Because I'm thinking, it's not wrong. It's it my to, opinion. No. No, but what I'm saying is that when you have, you can't compare Tesla with Mary Shelley. I you can. I didn't yeah, do no, that. you can't. No, you didn't. But I said it's wrong to do that, and it has been brought up this episode. You know, Tesla was was a genius. He was up there with the Doctor and was able to con- create things with it. Mary Shelley's an author. Well, Big yeah, difference. But, oh no, 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 yeah. no, 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 no. Yeah, no, no. yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. The, the, uh, the 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 guest star of the week. The Doctor finds the cleverness where he or she finds it. The you know this is the this is the mother of, of science fiction. I think that the story, the events that are happening around them, are going to are supposed to be the seed for her story, Frankenstein. But because right. you don't see her interpreting that or interacting with the doctor and trying to understand what's going on, she's not. Those events aren't going to be the seed of Frankenstein like they should be. To be fair, there is a. Uh, I mean, Mary does like we just read. Frankenstein a few months ago and we reviewed it for the show which was great it's the first time I'd ever read it and one thing I was surprised by was when we read Frankenstein all of the science that's in Frankenstein there is no science in Frankenstein in the novel like Mary Shelley exactly. does not like she just goes oh he re- he re- he reanimated the corpse and that's it like you just take it for like there's no explanation at all of how it right. happened like yeah. she focuses on the the humanity the character uh, the rage Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. So the fact that the end, when Mary confronts the Cybermen here and and reaches his humanity, which is not something that the Doctor does, it's what Mary brings to the table. I did think that was true to the character, and yes. actually, I I actually love the way that the Shelleys, both of them, as well as Lord Byron, was depicted, uh, because that's pretty consistent with uh, who they were. I think uh, you know is what we. Uh, at least the legend of them, let's say. Yeah. Uh, the fact that Byron was hitting on her all the time, it was hitting on the doctor a lot, was just great. I mean, I <laughs> we we even though uh, you know we don't need that every week. I thought it was kind of fun to have that happen at least one. Like we haven't really seen anybody really hit on the doctor like that. If there was going to be someone to do it, for his character. Yeah, of course, absolutely. and that absolutely. was what's great about it. You're kind of thinking like, if, Bo- if Lord Byron's not hitting on her, then what's up with that, right? Like, <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm, I'm just glad that someone else acknowledges that she's got great hair, you know? Because um, <laughs> we did our little poll last week, and uh, I was really surprised. Like, she did not even come close to the top of our best hair of the doctor poll that we did on on our facebook group so are you kidding you've got better hair than all, any, any of the other see that's what i thought but tom won tom baker has what? the best hair according to people uh yeah go figure uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. so uh i don't know maybe i should have defined best hair a little bit better but um anyway uh so so yeah i i and i think what we got like the little bits and pieces were decent but like i said um, that whole first half of the show just didn't seem to mean anything. Um, like I said, they just chucked it away. Like, like, oh, that's just maybe there are really ghosts. I'm like, come on, don't don't insult us. Like, well, that. I thought that the the skeleton was coming alive because he needed to regroup and build up the Cybermen. That's what I thought was going on. Nope. That's where I thought it was going to. Also, <laughs> nope, it was just who knows what it was. Yeah, I, uh, I like the fact that the house kept doing what the weird things, and it was kind of like a what an Esther thing come to life or whatever, right? Well, yeah. they actually they do explain the house. Yeah, yeah, that, no, that, that, that's that's that, a perception filter, right? Right, that works. But like all the other stuff, yeah, didn't. didn't and it, it does also work. explain why the psychic paper was not working too, right? Because the whole thing was, you know, the whole house was filled with that perception filter. Yeah, I mean, it was all an illusion anyway. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, and and you know, like I said, if this is the this is the first part of a three parter, um, uh, which is fine. I, I appreciate that that it is, and I appreciate that they use the Cybermen, particularly this particular Cyberman, uh, when it comes to meeting uh, Mary Shelley. So there were parts of this that I liked, but was- I, overall, I was a bit disappointed that it wasn't its it's sort of its own like full story. Yeah. I, I, I wish it was its own full story too, but there was one point when the doctor was talking about the consequences of the, the decision before her. that I thought was interesting. She said that if, you know, if this happens, then the, the world, you, the world you come from won't exist. You won't exist. And that's sort of a um, grandfather paradox version of time travel that the doctor who hasn't had. Uh, you know, in the in the longest time. I mean, they they've played with it a little bit in the classic series run, uh, but they've always kind of you know you could change the future, but it wasn't like the companion was going to be erased and replaced by you know an alternate history version. Uh, so I thought that was interesting. Where did that come from all of a sudden? But I mean, you know, I I did like, and you kind of hinted at this uh, earlier, Scott, but I did enjoy. The dark because she's been pretty much for a season and a half. She's been the good mom. She's yeah. got the companions that are like her children, but she's kind of coddling them. She's yeah. keeping them out of danger. She's kind of you know protecting them. Here she like she slaps their behinds a little bit, and I like that <laughs> a little bit. You know, I mean, she you know because they're like you know they're all like, hey, Jack said this, and we you can't do that or whatever. And she's like, she says things like history is vulnerable. Words matter. Yep. Uh, one death, one ripple. History will change in a blink. And then my favorite bit, and, and you sort of quoted this as well, Scott, is when she says, "This team structure isn't flat." Like I don't, I don't want you to think that you guys are like yeah. equal to me, you're, right? Yeah, you're right. Not she, me. she says it's mountainous with yeah. me at the summit, and then she even further explains in the stratosphere. Yeah, alone left to choose. It's like she is like. I am so far above you guys. <laughs> and, and I've been waiting for two years for, for her to, ha- to say this. So, you know, I, I, swear, mm-hmm. I, I, I swear to you, every time I heard, oh, we're a flat organizational structure, I literally cringed. That's <laughs> not, you know, where's my hero, right? Where's my, you know, the character that's the cleverest person in the world, right? You know, come on now. Have a little back, have a little faith in yourself, please. You know? Well, exactly. Well, this was the doctor I was waiting to get for so long, and it took her to a darker place, more of an authority figure than we've gotten from her. And right. that was, and that's what we were waiting for. And I love the look on their faces. Like, <gasps> how dare she say that to us? <laughs> Where did this come from? <laughs> exactly. Well, Mom, I mean, she, you're not supposed she, to say that. She also says, like, she explains to them, like, because they put her trust and they're they're confident that I mean I think they said a couple of episodes ago don't worry the doctor will figure it out right the doctor will win no don't worry about anything and they're kind of living this life like the doctor's protecting them they're in this bubble and here they're confronted with and she's confronted with like she would like nothing more than to not give this cyberman what he wants but she doesn't have a choice and right. she says to them sometimes even I can't win and and it's a it's it's a stern talking to where she's like, look, we're gonna do this. I don't want to do it either, but we have to do it. And then we're gonna go to the future and fix it. Like like get in the get in the car, kids. I mean, it's it's going really to McDonald's cool. now. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. Like there's a really good doctor moment here. I agree. Uh, I I think uh, and because the companions have been so annoying and so like useless for most of their this season and a half it is it is about time that the doctor kind of just said that yeah yeah <laughs> i'm in the strat i couldn't believe she said that i'm in the stratosphere <laughs> like look you guys are down here on the earth i'm way up here <laughs> and i you noticed the line also that she did put she says you know I will take you back to 2020. I don't want you guys facing the Cybermen. Hum- you know, things, bad things happen when companions meet Cybermen. Oh, yeah. 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 Yes. I mean, let's put it this way. In comparison to Dr. Ruth, uh, right? Or the Ruth Doctor. 
when the Ruth Doctor and our Doctor were interacting in their in that episode, it really showed you the contrast in how the characters are written, right? Ruth is written the way you would hope the Doctor was, with a, a sense of personality, a sense of place, totally in control, you know, and, and our Doctor is sitting there going, what the heck is going on here, you know? Uh, and I get that because of the mystery behind this other incarnation that our doctor is at a loss. I get that. That's fine. You would expect that. But it just highlighted the, the, the difference in the writing for, you know, for the two. So it's not like they can't write a doctor that way. They just have denied Jody's doctor that opportunity until just now. So now the question is, does it stick? Or does once this once this uh, washes over, do we you know go back to something else? I don't know, but I hope this is the point where you know it's like like all the other doctors have had their chance where they say you know the Earth is defended, and then you know every time you see me, basically run, you know. Yeah, I'm a little scared about the next two episodes (laughs) because you know they've been really inconsistent, and it's Chibnall writing writing the two parter. Chibnall times two. And do I think he's going to stick the landing? Hell no. <laughs> yeah. Nope, 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 I'm, nope. Uh, but, I'm, you know. I'm, I'm willing to eat crow too, so there you uh, go. Yeah, and on, and on the other hand, I enjoyed this episode, I think, well, obviously more than you guys did. And I think maybe it was because I just sort of, whether I should have or not, let go of the inconsistencies of the things like the ghosts <laughs> and all that, because I was enjoying the atmosphere so much. Yeah, the, the horror aspect i love the philip clint hinchcliffe era is one of my favorites mm-hmm. yeah and, and it reminded me so much of that how can you go wrong with a house like that with the storm and the candlelight i mean oh, yeah. you know, and the characters that were there that was really cool oh and i love the scene when it was yaz and the maid and they were there and they saw the ghost and you then when they flashed back after the lightning and then you looked up and the hand was right above her Oh, that was just like, oh, wow. Yeah, it was creepy, all right. Yeah, and there were some great creep moments in this episode, and I think mm-hmm. that's what won it over for me. And, and yeah, never but... be a servant in a gothic castle because you are, you're going to bite it. <laughs> yeah. No matter what. <laughs> Here's your red shirt. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so I think, you know, we have all across the board on this one. And it was interesting to see. Do we have any, you know, final thoughts where, you know, I know what you guys thought could improve and everything. Do you, you know, did you think it stuck the landing or did you need, you know, something, a little more explanations or what? No, I think that for me, this is a positive episode. I, I will, I say that uh, I like this episode because it gave me what I've been wanting all for a long, long time. And, and, you know, Mary's right. The rest of it, you just sit back and enjoy it. You know, it, it's, it seems to be a little hard for the, this writing team to, on on their stories. So the fact that they got, you know, most of this in one episode is, you know, pretty spectacular. I'll take it. I also, I noticed, you know how the lightning recharged the Cybermen's power core? And I thought, oh, well, that's straight from Frankenstein. However, Mary Shelley yes. didn't see it. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I know. I right? I noticed that too. I'm like, this is. Oh, she's not here. Right. Like, and that like, was my point. Right. If you're gonna have Mary Shelley, shouldn't she be part of the story? Um, but I think overall, I think Maxine Alderton uh, did her homework. Uh, I've heard that she, uh, Chimnall has said that she is a huge uh, fan of this particular time period and this particular event. Um, and, uh, I think it shows, I mean, I think all the characterizations of the characters match. And if you, uh, want to see, uh, in my mind, a really good sort of depiction of, of what happened that, that weekend, uh, Ken Russell's Gothic is a really, uh, great movie that, uh, I don't know, it might be a little controversial. Most of the stuff that Ken Russell does is a little controversial, but, um, I, I, to me, I always think of like that's what that's what comes into mind whenever I think of uh, this weekend. But um, it's such an important weekend, um, and not just for Frankenstein. Um, uh, uh, Pilidori, uh wrote after this, wrote the Vampire, which is the first modern known as the first modern vampire story as well. So I mean, you get Frankenstein and vampires out of this, um, 
So, uh, but that's not, that's not even mentioned at all in this. And that's okay. I mean, this is, it's got to focus on, on this, but um, I just, you know, like, I don't like jump scares just to jump scare, right? There, there needs to be some, some weight to it. There needs to be some reason for it story-wise. And so for the first 15 minutes, I liked it at the time, but then afterwards I was like, you know, WTF, what was all that for? Nope, exactly. Totally understand that. So, all right, let's go ahead and rate this then. One out of five TARDISes, one being the worst, five being the best. Scotty, you go first tonight. Uh, I'll do three and a half. Okay, that doesn't sound bad. Mary? I'm going to give it a four. I mean, I, I really enjoyed most of it. And I loved, I loved the, like the claustrophobia of the setting really contributed to the unsettling atmosphere. I love that it, the references to the Philip Finch close era. I, um, I mean, I, I, I loved the way they did the Cyberman who was especially creepy as sort of, you know, three quarter Cybermen falling apart. It was, it was very effective. And I, I, I did feel like it was sort of a lead in to to the to the next two parts, and so I'm interested to see if they they do if they like the ghosts do actually come up again and make sense. I kind of doubt they will. Cool. But what you, about you, Mr. Mike? You never know. Uh, for me, uh, you know, what I'm just going to leave it at a solid three. Um, there was obviously you know some issues with it, but I, I liked a lot of it. Um, and I think it did the the subject justice in terms of the, the depiction of it. Um, I just wish, you know, if we are going back to the Hinchcliffe era, I wish that, you know, we could get someone like Robert Holmes to write it. <laughs> that would be wonderful. That would be great if we could. But, you know, we wish. Um, I'm going to write on the coattails of Mary on this one. Sorry, Mary, but um, I agree with you. Um, give it a solid four. I enjoyed it. It was. I watched it, and I think it was solid. I think the weak point for me was the Cybermen, or as Judy called it, Cyberborg, because it looked a lot like the Borg with the half face and everything. And I just thought, you know, that was the weakest part to me. But I don't. I liked enough of it the whole Lord Byron thing. You got to see the doctor blush, you know, when Lord Byron was hitting on her and everything. And I loved when she grabbed the helmet, she says, I really like this helmet. I think I'm going to need it to protect myself. <laughs> that was, that I'll was be just, back for that. <laughs> I'll be back for that, which is, it was just awesome. And, you know, the whole thing with the ghost, mm. but it was a fun story and it's still light years above last season at this point. And I, I'm enjoying the season much more than I expected that I would. But, you know, we'll have to see what, where it goes with the last two-parter because I might be tearing my hair out by, in two weeks, you know. <laughs> we do a, you know, we'll just have to wait and see. But we definitely would love to hear from you guys at home. Please write us at EarthStationWho at ESOnetwork.com. Definitely would love to hear what you guys have to say. Might as well thank our guests right now. Scott, thank you so, so much for joining us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It is a great honor. And once again, where can people find you? You can find me at drgeeklab.com. We have a Facebook page and a Facebook group and a proud member of the ESO Network. Yay. And of course, Mary. Oh, thanks for having me. This was a really fun one to talk about. Most definitely. And you want to promote your artwork real quick. Uh, you can find my artwork at maryogle.com or on Etsy at eVision Arts. Excellent. And Mr. Mike. And as always, it's my pleasure. Exactly. So I only have two more weeks of fearing what you're going to have to say about the episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, but they're, they're, they're a loaded two weeks. Oh, trust me. I know. <laughs> I know. And it's like, all right. So, you know. The night before I watched Doctor Who, I'll just have to, okay, Mike, try to get some sleep. Try to get some sleep. Okay. Because, you know, I'm worried about it. You know, what's Mike Gordon going to say? Oh, my God. Like and remember, this season, I'm taking off the kid gloves when it comes to Chibnall. Uh, I, no, as, as, well, you, as well you <laughs> should. As well you as should. You, yeah. yeah. I mean, no, I gave, I gave him a back. year to get his, you know, stuff together. Um, his partisan and, order? 
yeah and uh now it's like no no it's you know i'm not i'm not giving you the benefit anymore no and as well you shouldn't i agree completely with that and you know do i think chibnall's doing a great job yeah i think he's doing better than he did last season do i think jody's doing a great job she's fantastic and you know better material well exactly but that the whole ending scene with her and the companions if anyone says she's not the doctor i will throw that scene at at her and everything that was just amazing and speaking of amazing god let next week be a good episode we are looking at ascension (laughs) of the cybermen (laughs) how's that for you know a carryover right there so we will see you all next time here on Earth Station Who. Thanks for listening. And remember, Mike Gordon's email address is... You have been listening to Earth Station Who, a bi-weekly pop culture podcast dedicated to all things Doctor Who, featuring talents from across the universe. All topics on the show are the sole opinions of the individual and are used for entertainment value alone. You can subscribe to our podcast up on iTunes, Stitcher, or follow our blog at www.esopodcast.com. You can also follow us up on Facebook, Twitter, or Google+. If you enjoyed the show, please leave feedback up on iTunes. Ladies and gentlemen... Put your hands together for the comedy stylings of Hugh for the board collection. When I was part of the board collective, my board wife was so fat when she sat around the collective, uh, she sat around the collective. The Monster Sci-Fi Show is part of the ESO Network. It's sci-fi from a certain point of view. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. <laughs>